we're going to talk a little bit about heaven this morning. And it's funny because we just got done with an 80s weekend at Conduit. Prom do it. And it sort of started because, you know, when I was in high school, we weren't allowed to, you know, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, before marriage. Uh, just kids. Uh, we weren't allowed to do that before marriage because it led to dancing. Do you know what I'm saying? So we weren't, so we didn't have prom back then because we weren't allowed to go. Cause, you know. But as I was like dressed up like an idiot, uh, I felt, I felt simultaneously humiliated and nostalgic. I don't even know what to say. It was like, I'm so embarrassed. And yet I'm like, well, I kind of long for my youth. And how does that have anything to do with anything about heaven? And you know what? I, as we were listening to the 80s playlist on Spotify, um, the amount of songs about heaven in the 80s was off the charts. Right? And if you think about it, it, does, it shouldn't surprise us because Led Zeppelin told us they were going to build a stairway to heaven. <laughs> they, 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 they told us. And so they built this stairway to, you know, to the 80s. Um, that was back when rock and roll was rock and roll. They would, they, none of these little regional jets, like 747 Donald Trump planes. Like that's, that's how they used to roll. Now they said it was a stairway to heaven. Belinda Carlisle told us that it wouldn't be a stairway to heaven, that it would actually be a place on earth. driving around the other day, the song comes on the radio, and my son, uh, I don't even know how we got on the conversation, he turns it up, I'm like, you, do you know that song? It's like, a, you know, because that would be like the equivalent to me in the 80s turning up a song from the 60s when my dad was driving around on the 8-track, you know, turn that up. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's Belinda Carlisle. How do you know that? So I said, he's 11, I'll give you $5 right now if you can tell me what, you know, female power vocalist band she was the lead singer of. Five bucks, safe, right? He says, um, this is a true story. Go-Go's? He's 11. <laughs> so I don't know what he's doing, I mean, with his Spotify account, but I feel like I mean, he knows something. But so, you know, Belinda told us it was a place on earth. You know, Warrant actually told us that it wasn't far away. Guns N' Roses told us that they were going to be knocking on heaven's door if we would just answer. <laughs> Rip off of the, a Dylan song, just so we all know and are clear that that was a Dylan song. <laughs> Brian Adams, when he was uh, on the cover of Teen Beat. <laughs> I'm scanning the room right now for the women who had that poster on their wall. <laughs> right next to Michael J. Fox and Kirk Cameron before he didn't get to go in the rapture. The, uh, <laughs> and of course, lover boy told us that heaven would be in your eyes. Now, oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, I get the wrong one? Oh, that's warrant. Wait, is this lover boy? Where'd lover boy go? I lost lover boy. They all look the same to me. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> Even in the 80s, I'm like, I can't tell any of them apart. And you guys laugh, especially you young kids. But let me, I'm going to promise you something right now. Especially you that have participated in hipster culture. Listen and listen well. <laughs> there is coming a day when what you're wearing every day will be sold in a costume shop. 
Ask George Washington. <laughs> ask George Michael. Or ask George the hipster in East Nashville. It will happen, because that's what happened. James shows up, and they're all like buying clothes from the costume shop. I'm like, I, wear, I wore that on purpose. <laughs> right? And, and some of you guys did too, but I felt ridiculous. And I'll tell you this much. If this is what heaven is about, the 80s... That's awful, isn't it? <laughs> Just drink that in for a moment. <laughs> if, this, if this amount of work is what heaven was about, I feel like uh, that I hope heaven is far away. <laughs> this is, that the 80s were wrong. I think what I forgot was just how much work it was. It took my wife no less than 90 minutes just to get the hair up. I'm like, did you do, did you do that in high school? Every day. Every day. L.A. looks gel, white rain, uh, Aquanet, mane and tail, the shampoo to make your hair grow long. Croc. What a crock that was. Uh, oh, this is actually my favorite one right here. There's my favorite. You got a flock of seagulls and you too. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> I have really great news for you. Belinda Carlisle, Warren, Led Zeppelin, they're all wrong. That heaven is way more. Heaven is way more precise and way more awesome and way more amazing. And that's what Jesus said would be. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 and 4, he's, telling, he's like about to shift gears with the disciples. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave here. And he said that I'm going to prepare a place for you. So actually, verse 1, hey, don't be troubled. Don't freak out. Uh, this is going to be a scary moment you're about to enter into. Believe in God and believe also in me. And I think for you and I this morning in a troubled spot, take those words to heart. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. I'm, and this is why. I'm going. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Some of your translations actually say mansions. Um, this is definitely some old country songs that, that pull on that. The idea that he's putting together here is that in that day, in that culture, when, uh, when a young man would grow up, a young woman would grow up, that they would go and they would find their bride and then they would come back to the father's house, the father's property, and they would build a place for that new family, that bride, right there on the property. It's also the picture of what Jesus would do as a groom goes to the bride. He, he goes to get the bride and brings her back. She's not leaving home. She's going home. You and I, he says, I'm going to prepare that place for you, and I will come again and will take you to myself, that where, I'm, uh, may, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. Let's pray. Jesus, would you speak to us this morning? And, and uh, Lord, it's my prayer that, that, that something supernatural would happen in our hearts, that we could imagine heaven and this rewards that you have for us, that we could imagine them real life this morning. Would you do that for us, Jesus? 
It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Um, I asked Chris Roberts to join me um, because Chris shared a story with me not long ago at breakfast, and I thought, and this was a few weeks ago, I'm like, oh, he doesn't even know this, but that's, that's the way that I wanted to end this series of what we're doing of talking about heaven, and he just did it in one dream. So I was like, man, would you come? Would you share it? And I'm really thankful for you because this is a, you know, this is a vulnerable prayer to, or dream to share, a vulnerable state. So Chris, if you don't know Chris and Suzanne and their kids, they're amazing human beings. Uh, they've been a huge part and a blessing to our, our church family. And so Chris, um, Chris's father passed away in 2011. And, you know, some of you have already been to that. And you've seen, like, a, a loved one, a parent especially pass. And so there's this new phase and a new relationship. And would you just share what that relationship was like and how the Lord used you in your dad's life? Yeah, so... Um it's pretty cool because Steve and Sue and my family, so many people had met my dad, and so it becomes even more personal at uh, this service. Um, you know, in that thing, he said, Jesus said, you know, do not let your hearts be troubled. And one of the things that I had to deal with is my heart was troubled uh, when my dad died because two years before he passed, I had... Suzanne and I had spoken many times to him, and he knew the truth. And in fact, we went to Alaska together, and I sat down with him and, and just shared that, you know, someday you're going to die, and someday I'm going to die, and I want you to be in heaven with me. And it's not because of what I've done, but through Christ and, and believing in Jesus. And at that time, he, he said, you know what, I think I'll take my chances, Chris, respectfully. And that was hard. Because my dad was a good guy, and I loved him, and we had a great relationship, but we had a gap when it came to faith. And he was an attorney, and um, he had accumulated quite a bit of wealth and was successful in what he did, and he was a great family man and um, all these things, but that was the great divide is uh, faith. And... But God continued to work in his life and continued to break him and put him in a pressure cooker, and, and he was surrounded by Christians. It was funny. I mean, so many of his friends were Christians. In fact, one of his friends from high school, like a month, we found it on his desk. I didn't say this in the verse hmm. but was a handwritten letter, three pages, talking about this guy from high school saying how his life was converted from Jesus and... Uh, Jay, you need to do this, and he gave him a whole binder of books and CDs and stuff to listen to. So the list goes goes on, and, and my point is, is that I never got that assurance for my dad to say to me, Chris, I've decided to follow Christ, and you know, share that in you. But Suzanne and I had prayed with him. He had gone to church on his own. He was starting to seek. And one time we even sat down with him at church after the service and said, Jay, you know, do you want to pray with us? And he said, well, you know, you guys can pray. But And then afterwards he said, you know, just don't give up on me yet. Hmm. So he was, he was tender, tenderizing. So unfortunately, uh, June, uh, late June of 2011, um, I talked to my dad the night that night before and checking on him and he had thanked me for checking on him because he had been dealing with a cough and stuff and then that 
that next morning I received that uh, that call that no one wants to get. That you know we went out to your dad's house and he didn't show up to work and you know I'm so sorry he's gone. And so I was kind of left with kind of an unknown. And so I'll share that two things happened. One, well actually three things happened. One is my sister. Um, and I'll try to hurry up. She lives in Orlando, Florida, and a homeless man came up to her, and she thought it was kind of strange because she was there all alone. And a homeless man came up to her out of the blue at this uh, Greasy Spoon Cafe and approached her as she was going to pay and put her, his hand on her and said, I just want you to know, if you're ever wondering, you need to read Isaiah 57 verses 1 and 2. And she's not really a believer or following after the Lord. So she came, of course, she wrote that down and said, sir, could you tell me what that is? And then he disappeared and was gone, and she called me and said, hey, you're the Bible guy or the faith guy. What, what does this mean? I, I don't know. You know? So, <laughs> so I read it, and it was interesting, but I still was doubting, just wondering what to do. So fast-forwarding, I'm sorry, but that right, sets it up. I got a the most vivid dream of my life um, about four months after he passed. And I got to see my dad in, in this dream. And, and the cool thing was is he, he looked great. And the backdrop, there was a backdrop. I mean, I didn't see any gates. Or any, there was a backdrop and there was a home. It was, it was, uh, it was a ranch home. It was just a ranch. And, and in the backdrop were these beautiful green hills and mountains. And it, the, the colors of green and thing were just unimaginable. You can't really explain the colors. But this house, it was very simple. It was a ranch, and it had two windows and, a, and an open door. And there was a couch in there, and I was joking, but I think there was a TV on the wall. Like, yeah, and I'm all in. I think there's a TV in heaven. <laughs> there's a remote. Yeah, and... But, but there was also drapes or something, and they were blowing in the wind outward. And there was colors of, like, goldish yellow literally just radiating out of the windows and off, out of the home. And you could just, this backdrop, and it was beautiful. And I saw my dad, and he was close, and he said, I am so sorry that I left you so soon. And he just said, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm doing great. And I went to hug him, and he said, I'm sorry, we, we can't hug, or it'll end. There's some things I need to tell you, though. Okay, you know? And, and, uh, and this is what kind of hit me and, and got me thinking as I read through Scripture and just to not be deceived by a dream. Um, but he said, I'm doing great here. I, there's nothing that I could want. This is, I'm doing great. I have it great. I love my place. He said, but you should see, things are different here. He said, because he used to talk about business and how well his years were going with money and stuff. He goes, the financial system's different here. Things are different. He goes, I'm doing great. Don't get me wrong. But you should see over the hilltops 
There are some homes and some mansions that are unbelievable. I'm doing great. Don't feel bad for me. But you should see over the hilltops. Because what's over there is amazing. And at that point, I was actually, I didn't share this, but I was able to give my dad a hug. And just for that embrace of a second, I was able to feel him. Hmm. And then it was over. Oh. And I will say one thing to Olivia. I shared this and she broke out in tears. I was sitting in a room, I don't know, within that week. Somehow it just got brought up when we were talking about my dad. And she just, just tears started. And I was like, she goes, no, dad, you don't understand. I said, what? And she's like, I had a same dream. And she goes, no, let me, let me show you my journal. And she dug in her, in her, uh, in her room and she's like, no, 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 I'd look. And she dug up a journal entry and she's just like, I had the same, he, I couldn't touch him. He said, I can't touch you or it's gonna end. And she talked about the same, the same room and what it looked like. And so, heaven is close. Joel said that in those days that your old men will see visions, your young men will dream dreams, which makes you a young man, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, take it, right? For those of you that were scrambling to look it up, Isaiah 57, verse 1, the, the righteous perish and no man lays it to his heart. In other words, this happened. Good people die and nobody says anything. And merciful men are taken away and none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. In other words, sometimes when someone died and you didn't think it was fair, they were being rescued from something. And he shall, this is it, verse 2, he shall enter into peace, they shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. And I, I asked Chris to share that for a couple of reasons. One was the, if you've ever been around a church for a long time, you might think of uh, witnessing soul winning as like you're, a lot of people work in sales. I'm trying to overcome the objections, you know, close the deal. The Bible knows nothing of that language. The Bible uses the language of farming, of planting seeds and planting seeds. And what does the farmer do every year? Plants more seeds. And it is the owner of the vineyard that comes to prune. It's the owner of the vineyard that comes. We're just sowing the seeds. We're the sower, not the farmer in that metaphor. You don't know. And I feel like that the Lord gave that dream to you to give you just a message that it's okay and that it's different here. And that was the other reason I wanted him to share it for the the, 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 just the few minutes that we have this morning. He said that he was going to prepare a place for you. And that wasn't like you in the ethereal sense, but you in the literal sense. A few years ago, we bought a house on uh, Paytonsville Arno Road. It was a, a farm, and my daughter wanted to ride horses, and it was this, could, could we possibly afford this? Is it... And we pulled in the driveway, and we, we do in a house what you do when you're looking at a house. You start, okay, this could be Maddie's bedroom, and upstairs it could be Ashley and Lauren. They share a little bathroom. And, and here's this, this room right here would fit perfect for Ethan. It's a little bit bigger. He could, you know, because he was having to lose the neighborhood. We were moving out into the country, and so he felt a little bit like he's been you know, ripped off. And, but as we pulled into the driveway, the very first time to look at this place, Ethan in fifth grade in his car seat, I think we still tied him to a chair at that point, but says from the back seat, well, if we got to move, then I want my room to be LSU colors. Yeah. 
And I don't even know how it happened. I'm like, he's five years old. I'm from Nebraska. Like, we don't do that. So, but he says, and, and for, so you guys know, what are the colors of LSU? So we go to the room that's going to be Ethan's room. I kid you not. Purple carpet and like yellow gold walls. The people that lived there before were from Iowa, which don't make it right, by the way, but they're from Iowa. And you're committed to purple when you put the carpet down. It's one thing to put a coat of paint on that you can change in a couple of years. When you paint, the, when you got the floor purple, it was the room that God had for Ethan. We bought the house. University of Northern Iowa. That's where they're from. That's right. Because they prepared a place for my son, who, by the way, has long since moved on from uh, LSU. Um, (laughs) We all have to mature and grow, you know. So he... But the point of it was that he's going to prepare a place specifically for you, for your stuff, for your, your room, your, it's your house, your thing. Will it be a literal house? I actually don't know. I, he always uses metaphor that we could understand, and I understand that. I understand a music room, and I understand. But, but here's what was so intriguing about your dream was that one of the things that we, we see in, uh, just, I'll just read it. You can turn to it later if you want to. But what it talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 10, he said, hey, be of good courage, verse 6. We know that we're at home in the body, we're you know, away from the Lord. And he's talking about that moment of this is going to be awesome that we're all going to stand and appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, that sounds terrible to me because I have done some terrible things in the flesh. Is anybody, well, you don't have to raise your hand. I've been to court before. And so standing in front of a judge is no fun. Judge Wapner was no fun at a party. I'm sure of it. Can you imagine being married to Judge Judy? Mean. So being in front of a judge, and if you're a judge, just FYI, you're probably real nice. Um, But you just never know these days. I don't know. But... So that doesn't sound like fun, except that that judge word isn't the word that I thought it was, because it's not a legal language that Paul is using. Paul is using the language of athletics. And so the judge, the bema seat that he talks about, the judgment seat is the bema seat, and the bema seat is the seat that will stand in front of as an athlete would at the Olympics to receive their medals. If you're on the bema seat, it's because you already won. We will all stand before the Bema seat of Christ. Speaking of those of us who are in Christ. Now there's a very specific judgment for those who said, I'll do it my way. I will not have you to be the Lord over me. I will be the Lord over me. And in that case, you have rejected it and he'll give you what you want. But in this case, he's saying, I, yeah, you're, you're here to be rewarded. And what Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 15, he talks about, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. And if you look in the context of this chapter, he's talking about the foundation is the foundation of Jesus. For those of us that are now standing in the, in the kingdom of God, we are on equal footing, we are all declared righteous, and that is the foundation from which everything else is built upon. 
the foundation of Christ. Jesus is the cornerstone. We are on that, on this rock, I will build my church, that Jesus is the son of God. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12, now if anyone wants to build on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Speaking of that day that we stand before him on the Bema seat as Jesus' people. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. Again, this sounds terrible. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a what? A reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. This is a critical piece of information for us. Because we are not saved by works. Ephesians 2.8 says you're saved by grace, not through works. It's through grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. So you're saved in the kingdom of God. It's done. You stand before him righteous because it was everything he did, not anything you did. But wouldn't it be awful if God as a good father says, yeah, but this one's going to do all this stuff, give their lives away overseas, pour their life out caring for an aged loved one, loving a spouse that's away from Jesus, planting seeds into the heart of a father that's seemingly rejected, that that would actually be rewarded. And throughout scripture, the parables tell us over and over and over again, on this foundation of Jesus, that those things you did that you thought were in secret that nobody knew, if you prayed for your mama or your daddy, you're praying for a spouse that's away from the Lord or isn't loving you the way that he should or she should, and those, that Jesus sees that and it will be rewarded. And the parables of Jesus over and over and over again tell us that Jesus sees it and he rewards it. And you think, fire, yeah, but Darren, you skipped the fire part. <laughs> John tells us in Revelation chapter 1 that Jesus' eyes would be like fire. Fire not to destroy you, but fire to warm you. Fire that sees everything. Fire that takes the things, and think of the act of mercy that this is, because we have such a good way of forgetting things. Now, some stuff is burned in your mind forever. Then there's other stuff you did that you have forgotten because you want forgotten. But what Jesus is saying is, I'm burning it all. So you don't have to remember it anymore. You don't have to worry about running into that person in heaven that you did so wrong. The lie that you told this, it's just burned because what happens when something is burned? It's gone. You can't ever put it back together. As far as the east is from the west, as deep as the deepest sea, that's what I'll do with your sin. I will, with the eyes of love and compassion, burn that stuff away. At one point in Revelation, he says, and now I'm going to give you a new name, and I am so glad for that. I spent 20 years in the music industry. There are places where my name is mud. But I'm going to give you a new one, a new identity, a new thing. And all that old stuff will be gone. And then the stuff that you did, whether this week when we head to Morocco, said that out loud, we have to strike that. When we head to North Africa, we're going to plant seeds and we may or may not ever see anything grow from that. But on the other side, when all the, the stuff that is burned away that I did that I regret and I'm sad about, what's left is the gold and the silver. And from that, he will build a house with streets of gold. 
it's an image that is important for us because fire in that situation isn't about punishment. It's about clearing the way for the beauty. My brother-in-law, my brother-in-law and his wife, which is Jim and Donna's sister, uh, they're building a house not far from us, and you can see the smoke rising. It's like they're sending smoke signals from over off of Arno Road. They're burning not to be cruel. They're burning to clear land to build something beautiful. What he's talking about is he sees, he rewards. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard the good things that he has for you. If you are a good father, you know how to give to your children good things. How much more will your heavenly father? Two of the parables, Matthew 25 and in Luke 16, he talks about the parable of the talents and the parable of the minus. And what does he say? That he'll reward you with more. Who is faithful with little will be given more. Now, on the other, this, we've heard that, you know, well, you got a promotion. Who's been faithful with little? You've been given much. That's a heartbeat of God, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about eternity. If you're faithful with little this side of heaven, you will be given much on the other side of heaven. And you might think, man, I don't know. It doesn't seem fair because I didn't, I got kind of a raw deal here. What I love about the Luke 19 version of it is that the three servants he speaks of were all given 10 each, 10 minus 10, the exact same thing. So while Matthew 25 speaks of varying degrees of gifts, Luke 16 speaks about equality of opportunity. Everybody has the opportunity to give 10% of your income, whether it's to the church or to feeding orphans. or You have that opportunity. Everybody has 24 hours in a day. Everybody has the same gospel. We all, that's an equality of opportunity. We all have the same opportunity. And what we do with it, he sees and will reward on the other side. And be careful what I love. It's different here. Because you know what? On this side of heaven, you know what's amazing? Is when you become famous and you put the red X on your hand and you're Ashton Kutcher and it's, that's celebrated here because they're famous and they're doing something with this huge platform. The kingdom of God is the opposite. He who will be last will be first. What you've done in anonymity will be rewarded in public. And he's going to prepare a place for you. And in, whether it's your marriage or whether it's in your health and you're holding on and it's hard to understand, know that he knows and that he is rewarding and that whatever is on the other side whether it's a big house or big mansion or something that eye has not even seen or ear has not heard, whatever it is on the other side. I mean, Jim and Donna, talk about a thankless job on Wednesday nights over and over and over again, investing in young people. And sometimes you don't know what, whether that seed, and sometimes you get the, the, you know, the attaboy, but most times you don't. But on the other side, because every hour, by the way, Donna, when your husband donates his time to the kids on a Wednesday night that you've given away, and I guess you're in the trenches with him now, so you're all in it together. But that's time that God sees, and that is a gift to him. It's a gift to the Lord. Linda, you investing in those boys every day while Gus is working and has to travel right now because he's providing for your family, God is seeing that and will reward it. Make disciples. You're making four of them right now homeschooling them at home. You mamas that are homeschoolers, you're making disciples. God is seeing that. He's investing and he will reward you if not in this life, in the life to come. He'll be able to look at you and say, man, you were faithful with little and now I'm going to give you much. And it's important to understand the part of the story that was so compelling to me 
was that what his dad said is that I'm, I'm fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm fine. But man, there's something way bigger over there. An old time preacher named Jonathan Edwards said, he used this metaphor, that it's like the ocean. And whether you're a barrel container or a little cup container, both in the ocean are full. In other words, they're both fulfilling their purpose. They're both fulfilled. So eternity isn't so much about whether you're disappointed, it's just the capacity. And I don't know what it means, but he actually says in Matthew 25 that uh, you'll be ruler over five cities and some over ten cities. We're going to be busy. There's going to be amazing stuff to do over there. The reward for good service here is more service there. And you think, well, that kind of blows. But it doesn't because... (laughs) Because I got to work? I was going to go, heaven. But if you do a good job at work, what do you want? Promotion. You want more responsibility to make bigger decisions. And bigger. That's what it's really saying is that the heartbeat of God is that he sees it and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, the danger for you to walk away from this morning is to think, well, I need to go sign up for the very next mission trip right now because that way I can get a reward. You will only be rewarded for what he asked you to do. Did you do it or did you not? Uh, Joanne told me in the first service that she just felt the Lord tell me to pray for Deidre. She didn't know Deidre was going to North Africa. So, but I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me. You know what Joanne's reward is? Because God told Joanne to do that. He didn't tell me. So I don't have to stand in front of the Lord and say, well, God, did, I, you know, I didn't do what you told my wife to do. What did he tell you to do? And, and to be faithful in that. Faithful in the little that he gave you to do. Did he give you the five, the one talent? Did he give you the five? Did he give you the ten? Whatever he asks you to do, if you're faithful with that, you're rewarded for that. Your salvation doesn't depend on any of that. All of us building on that foundation all stand before a loving father who says that my anger was sustained on the cross with my son. You are here. You stand before me righteous and accepted and forgiven and I'm going to burn all the stuff away that you want to forget about. I want to forget about it too. Let's forget about it. But for every time you say yes when Jesus says do this or do that. Phyllis, every time God tells you to go hug somebody and you do it. If you haven't been hugged by Phyllis, it's just like the Holy Spirit vitamin B12 spirit thing. It's just like... Thankless job is Keith Moore sitting back here mixing every week. That's the worst job in the house. When something goes right, nobody notices. When something goes wrong, everybody does this. <laughs> but every time you turn a knob, and it doesn't happen when you, you go, well, by the time we show up, Keith's been here, man. And God rewards that stuff. And I could go on and on. I'm looking around a room full of people that I know are doing amazing things for Jesus. Investing in your own children coaching, wrestling. I mean, we're doing stuff that Jesus is asking us to do and he's, he's a good God. Just like it delights you to do good things for your kids, it delights him to do good things for you. Would you stand with me and let's pray. When you're a kid and you're about to take a test, you love to know, hey, what's, what's going to be on the, the test so I can know what to study for? Jesus tells us, hey, how did you care for the least of these brothers of mine? That's going to be on the test. There's five crowns. You want some homework this week that will really just be fun to really encourage yourself? Five crowns in the New Testament that the Bible speaks of. 
Go and study and research and find out, oh, that's amazing. A crown for those who long for his appearing. The imperishable crown. There's five of them. Go and study and, and let the Lord speak to you in that. And this week, at least one time, promise yourself that when Jesus says jump, you do it. I might crash. Oh, yeah, of course you will. But, but, but Jesus is like, no, 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 I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. And then someday on the other side in the campfires of heaven when we all sit around and tell the stories, oh, man, I can't wait to meet your daddy. I can't wait you to meet my mom. You know, we talk about worships, you know, this morning. Some of the worship is just literally the battle songs of Jesus what do soldiers of old do? Soldiers now, when they're marching, they're singing because they're getting on the same page to follow the mission of the same king. As you worship this week and for weeks to come, we know we're singing the songs of heaven, the marching orders of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, would you give us insight this morning for that? Lord, would you this week speak to us and show us, hey, where, where can I care for the least of these brothers of mine? Is it my ailing parent? Is it, a, is it my spouse? Is it my grown child? Is it, where can I, Lord, tell me where to go and I'll go? Knowing that you're so good to us and that you are a rewarder of those who serve and diligently seek. And I don't know what it looks like on the other side, but I know that if you said that it is so, then it is so. And if you said that it is awesome, then we know it is awesome. Would you make that word come alive in us this morning? Jesus, would you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So be it.